0: Okay, Google, call Mum Ice. Calling Mum Ice mobile. Ali. Hi, Hi Mum. What's up? Aren't
1: um, you
0: at work? No, I don't have work today. Um, Are you-, you know how I said that the uni assignments were getting a bit much? Uh-huh. So I, I, I decided, like I called the facilitators up. I, I decided I'm going to drop out of uni. Oh, no, no, I'm kidding, I'm not. You don't say that. This is Do Quit Your Day Job. Earlier this year, I quit my full-time corporate job because I didn't see a future in the work I was doing. I'm back at uni now. I've almost finished my first semester. And I'm on a mission to find meaningful work in interesting places. Work that makes you feel like saying, Hey, I'm excited to go to work today. This is episode 2. If you haven't listened to episode 1, you should go do that now. Okay. So I'm on my way to Kevin Adams' house. I think what makes Kevin special is that he's literally spent his entire career in one industry in a pretty specific role as well, which is rare these days. And he loves it, 40 years on. It took me less than two years into my career to know I was ready for a career change. So I guess I want to know how you find something and work out that you want to devote
1: your entire working life to it. My name is Kevin Adams. I've worked in the cinema industry since I was 15, so it's about 40 years to date. So I've worked as a cinema projectionist all my life, but I've also managed many cinemas and drive-in theatres over the years. Walking into Kevin's home was like walking into a
0: museum crossed with a playhouse. There was a treasure trove of equipment and memorabilia collected over decades. Kevin could spend hours talking about it all.
1: And it has been. Be, film, be 5 reels. In fact, reel he did he spend a lot
0: of time running me through some so of his like most prized possessions.
1: Something and that's 35mm film. And these is this is one half of a 6000 foot reel. So what you do is you join three of those up into one of those. But
0: 35mm film, film, carbon arcs, Xenon lamps, and platters. Lamps. The guy knows a thing or two um, about film, film projectors.
1: Length of time. That's why he run even platters.
0: The job of a projectionist is not for everyone. You practically live in a small room, cut off from the rest of the world. You only have a few 10cm portholes to look out to the audience, watching whatever is on the screen. Otherwise, there's no one but yourself. You're all alone, in the dark. I wanted to get to the bottom of Kevin's fascination with projection and what led him down this dark path. What's that feeling of being in the darkness, in isolation, all the time?
1: I think it takes a special breed of person It generally incites insanity. Most projections have quite a warped sense of humour, so I'll try and keep my act clean today. So <laughs> it's a G-rated audience. As a kid sitting there thinking, oh, are the lights getting dim? Because I dim very slowly. And it was part of the excitement was going to the pictures and the lights going down and the footlights would be on, on the screen curtains and then the curtains would part and the picture would hit the screen. The whole place has a certain smell about an older theatre. I mean, it's not an unpleasant smell. It's sort of slightly musky, but a theatre smell about it. Once you open that projection room door... It's like Aladdin's cave of equipment and buttons and machines and stuff everywhere. It's it's a magical place. It is really magical and people are just agog to see places like that because it is somewhere that's really an unknown territory to people. And uh, it is really a, a world of its own. It's quite removed from nearly the rest of the theatre, and it's like your own island up the back there in the dark in a box.
0: One of the reasons Kevin stuck around in the industry was from a personal sense of fulfilment that he got from seeing people enjoy themselves and actually being responsible for that enjoyment. He wasn't recognised for it, and probably not appreciated,
1: but he knew he was doing something positive, so he kept with it. I ran a country drive-in for 10 years in a country town where there was no cinema. The whole town came to the drive-in and it was a very family-orientated venue and they'd all bring their deck chairs and it'd be all ages and they'd all be intermingling. It was like the, the melting pot for the town where everyone would come together on the weekend and have a great time and seeing them coming in out of the cafe and walking around the field because it was nice and warm and, you know, a bit further north than here. That were probably the best years of my life. I think running the drive-in theatre. I loved it so much. Miss it. Miss it very much. For me, it's, it's a passion. It's fully evoking. You know, sort of everything that I enjoy about the industry. I enjoy showing film. But I enjoy the cinemas themselves. And enjoy very much entertaining people. And it's the same now, even in my personal life, I like to have parties and I like to have people around and I love to see people having a good time. And for me, that's personally rewarding to know that I've had a great party and had all my friends over. It might have cost me a fortune, it might have cost me a lot of work and time and effort and cleaning up the carnage afterwards. To see them having a good time is what's rewarding. It's the same, very much the same thing as, as being a projectionist and working in cinemas.
0: The technology used in cinemas changed a lot over the years. Slowly, film projectors became easier to use and reels didn't need to be changed as often processes that once required delicate hands and intricate knowledge became simpler.
1: When I started you would start as an assistant projectionist and there'd be two people in the projection room a licensed projectionist because you had to have a three year license you sat for here in Victoria and the assistant would be probably the person that did all the work really but you know it took two men to actually do it because the, the film came on 20 minute reels, you'd have to change the reels every 20 minutes on two different projectors and if you did it right no one would ever know that there was actually two projectors running and one when one had run out, you'd thread up the next reel and you'd change over again. Platters came around and then they joined everything up onto one big plate and it ran through one projector.
0: If a film runs perfectly and if a session runs perfectly, people sit there, they enjoy the show, they walk out and they think,
1: hey, the movie maker made a terrific film. Of course, they don't think that the projectionist actually has always been, up until now, the most important person in the building because the projections actually can make or break your show. But it is a thankless job because no one really looks back and thinks that there's someone up there toiling away over hot carbon arcs and changing reels and having to wind film forward and back because it all has to be rewound every time.
0: And then digital came about. No more film reels, just a hard drive. And while the quality of the picture didn't change that much, a massive cost-saving came about.
1: It's just changed, and you know that's part of part of life. These sort of things have happened throughout history. It's happened to blacksmith. It's happened to typewriter repairmen. Technology does advance. For the cinema industry, film has been around for over a hundred years, which is quite amazing. And there can be a lot of problems with film.
0: Like a lot of problems.
1: So, the technology is what changed film and brought about the end of film prints because not only was it expensive to have raw film styles oh. and to have crews to shoot film, and of course, film deteriorates with age. It gets worn down, it gets scratches, it's it it, damaged, it also can break down, colors can fade in, sound it. can fade, all sorts of things happen to film over the years. Nowadays, it's automated.
0: Just download onto the system, press play, and you're good to go. For Kevin,
1: though, this reality was harsh. It was known well in advance that this time was going to come. Of course, it was pretty awful when it did come and said, well, okay, we're going to... uh, After 20 20 years
0: projecting onto the biggest screen in the world, the cinema Kevin worked at ripped out all their film projectors and replaced them with laser technology. With that,
1: Kevin was made redundant. And so I did get an extra three months um, of sitting there at my desk and basically did nothing. I had nothing to do, nothing. I didn't have to get up and I'd turn stuff on in the morning. That would be it. And the rest of it would just run itself the whole day. I'd go and look out the port every now and again to see if the film was on the screen. But there was just nothing to do to actually hand back your keys and your pass so you could no longer just walk into the door as you wanted, as a secure place anymore by choice without having to ask permission was pretty gut-wrenching. It was pretty awful, and I can understand how many of the projections friends I've got have been pretty devastated. The projection room to me is another room of my house, just 17 ks away from here. But I did feel very neglected and put out. Like in any industry or any job, the reality is it is a job and it doesn't matter how dedicated you've been how much you've given 100% of yourself to that business, when the day comes that they don't need you, then they will show you the door.
0: Would you say you may have been one of the last people to make a career out
1: of it? There's probably a few people younger than me, but <laughs> I think I'm on the tail end of it. I think I was anyway starting sort of my career in I suppose late seventies and nineteen eighty when I left high school and I was sort of fifteen at that stage. And I think I'm really lucky who in this in this day and age, you know, works in one has one career, works in one industry for a forty year period. My dad did working for Dunlop Tires, but that you know, that's that was typical of his era. But not not in our day and age. Forty years is an awful long time, so I think I'm very lucky. Kevin still gets occasional work when
0: big-shot directors like Tarantino or Christopher Nolan decide to release on film in addition to digital. Kevin calls it the epitaph of his career.
1: Unfortunately, it's not something I can actually make a career of anymore, and that's the shame for people coming into the industry, because... There are always young people, and, and as a cinema historian, you know, I run some Facebook groups about cinemas and theatres of Australia. I um, am very heavily involved with uh, recording cinema history. There are young people still coming in the industry who would love to make a career of it, who unfortunately really can't, unless you're perhaps doing management, or there's, there's actually nothing for you in a, in as far as showing film.
0: It's pretty bleak. It kind of made me realise the uncertainty of work. In all likelihood, there are going to be a bunch of industries that get wiped out by advances in technology. It could be the very thing I decide to dedicate my working life to. And there's nothing I can do about it. Kevin just got unlucky. Maybe one day I'll tell my children about an industry once known as podcasting. People used to listen to stories in an audio format, I'll tell them. But since technological advancements allowed us to read minds people stop caring about the stories we tell each other. But Kevin was more optimistic. He thinks cinema will continue to bring joy to our lives in years to come.
1: Cinema will always always be around because people do like to go out. We do like to, you know, we are social beasts. We do like to enjoy a, a social experience with a group of people and seeing a film unfold on a screen and having 200 people around you reacting or jumping or laughing and that certainly can make a big difference. And, you know, I've got my memories. So I can't take it that way from me. You take away the projector, you can take away the film, but I still have the rest. So <laughs> it's it's a nice place to be. You know, I love it. I always have. I mean, you wouldn't keep doing it if you didn't. And honestly, once it gets into your blood, it's. I don't think you it ever leaves you. That's why I even surround myself with bits and pieces of cinema equipment and and all my memorabilia for the years, all the stuff I've hoarded for years. And thank goodness for the hoarders, because we keep memories alive.
0: Thanks for listening. Next episode, I'm speaking to a master of platonic touch. Do Quit Your Day Job is created by me, Lee Robinson. This podcast is produced for SIN and made possible by the Community Broadcasting Foundation and Creative Victoria. A special thank you to Maddie McQueen and Aaron Dick for their help in the original recording and production of this interview. Thank you also to Evram Shen for helping me put this series together. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.